Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. How we doing? How good was that worship set? Yeah, that was incredible. Um, I'm doing my best to hold it together right now. Uh, as my wife knows, Adrienne, our incredible co-lead pastor, I was basically falling apart during communion um, because before we get to the message, before we continue on the series. Um, Adrian said it great. This really is a God dream. And there were days where I'm sure, like a lot of you, you know what you're put on this earth to do, and you go for it, and you kill yourself for it, and you serve for it, and you do anything in your God-given capacity and ability and power to see it come to fruition, and there are days when the enemy comes against it. There's days where you got people pull out on you who promised you one thing and didn't come along with you for the journey. There's tons of things that happen when a God dream is coming to fruition, and I just want to let you know from the bottom of my heart, the bottom of Adrian's heart, that we are so incredibly grateful that you guys have chosen to call Takeover Church home, that you have chosen to build, to serve, to give, and to establish your life in this house to see what God can do in a church like this in Grand Rapids. So I just want to say thank you. Can you guys make some noise for yourselves tonight? So I'm going to pretend like uh, I'm not falling apart right now because this is incredible. I actually didn't think I would be uh, sad. I didn't think I, not, not that I'm sad. I'm just, I need to shut up now. Um, <laughs> dang it, I got to preach. That sucks. Um, I'm not sad. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, and also, I want to encourage you tonight to partake in all of the cupcakes. We have ice cream and there's a photo wall. Please document this night. Enjoy this night. Make the most of this night because like Adrian said in the book of Zechariah, we do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin and it has begun. Year one has been a success and we are ready to see God move in 2019, year two. Sound good? So tonight, it's 5.54. That means we got 25, 30 minutes to bring this home, and we're going to preach it like we feel it. Does that sound good to you? So if you don't know, let me inform you. We are in a series right now called Peaks and Trenches. Somebody say Peaks and Trenches. Peaks and Trenches. And uh, you might be asking yourself, we talked about this last week, but Matt, why? Are we not calling it hills and valleys or like any of those other cliches? One, I am what you call someone who excels in life. Everyone's looking at me like you're an idiot. <laughs> but what I mean by that is this, is that in this life for me, excellence 
is everything. I love excellence. I believe as a Christian, God calls us to live a life of excellence. As a Christian, we put our best foot forward. As a Christian, we are spirit-led, going after God's best that he has for us. As a Christian, we do everything with excellence. In fact, on our website, it says that Takeover Church is about having a spirit of excellence because we believe if we are led by the Holy Spirit, then we are called to be the head and not the tail, to go into all the world and excel this gospel forward. Does that sound good? So the reason I call it peaks and trenches is for me, when I'm trying to reach a peak, when I'm trying to get to a mountaintop, when I'm trying to accomplish something, my goal isn't to stop on a hill. No, no, no. I'm going for the whole freaking mountain, and I want to see God do the best that he can. And so often I find myself excelling at that. Likewise, when it comes to the lows in Matt's life, if you've done life with me for any part of time, you would know that I will exceed expectations when I crash and burn as well. <laughs> so I don't know if you're in church tonight, to be honest, because I'm in church tonight, to be honest, and I believe that God can only work with our honest mask off. Hello. We can only, he's only going to bless who we really are, not who we pretend to be. So it is my goal over this series for us to talk about, yeah, what happens when we're at the peak? How do we handle success? How do we, how do we get there when we're at the top? But how do we also strive for victory in the trenches? Because again, for me, I don't just hang out in valleys. No, no, no. I find myself in challengers deep in the middle of Marina's trench. Because when I stumble, when I fall, when I make mistakes, I do that well too. <laughs> Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Yeah. So that's what Peaks and Valleys is all about. Now last week we preached the message. What was the message called? One person is going to heaven in this place. My hallelujah, absolutely. And uh, if you weren't here last week or maybe you, uh, it's so good, you need to hear it again, uh, you should check it out, download that podcast, share it with a friend. I believe it's going to encourage you, it's going to challenge you, and it's really going to build into your life. But tonight, where are my note takers at? Who's going to heaven? It's looking good. Fantastic. 18 of us going to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for all 18 of us. I'm kidding. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is this. You ready? Yeah. Extremely loud and incredibly close. Mm. Someone's like, is that that one with Tom Hanks? Is that that one with Timmy Hanks? Timmy Hanks. That's his new name. Captain Philip? Is that him? I could name the whole thing. Is that Forrest Gump? I like Timmy Hanks and Splash. Splash was good. I got a million of them. Timmy Hanks. Tom Hanks, if you ever hear this, I want to apologize, and I think you're a man of God, and I love you. Um, and if you're not a man of God, that's a prophetic word for your future. Best days are still ahead of you, friend. Timmy Hanks. It's good. It's going to reach him. Come on. But uh, yes, the title of the message tonight is Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Y'all mind if we read some scripture before we go any further? Tonight I'm going to be coming out, it's going to be on the Sky Bible if you don't have it, but I'm coming out of 1 Kings 19, 9 through 14. We're going way back. Somebody say, way back. We are going way back to the OT, the Old Testament tonight, um, and I'm really excited to read this piece of scripture. So you ready? If you're really are turned there in your Bibles or you have it pulled up on your phone, somebody say there. Six of you. So good. 18 taking notes. Six actually have a Bible. Lord, we're believing for you to do great things tonight. All right. Verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. That's when you know you're in the Old Testament, when they start using words like lodged in it, okay? They lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks, broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not actually in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Somebody say whisper. Sound of a low whisper. And then when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went outside and stood at the entrance of the cave. Behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I, am only left, and they seek to take my life away. Yo, mind if we pray? Like, that's just good news, Pastor. Woo! Take my love. It'll make sense, I promise. Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in and through this house right now. I thank you for that incredible time of worship that we had, Jesus. I thank you that there were hands lifted all over this place. God, I thank you for the culture of this church, God, that says... We're going to chase after you with reckless abandonment, with everything that we have within us, God, because you have chased after us. Some of us are still being chased after by you, God, where you throw caution to the wind, reckless abandonment. You hung your son on a cross for us, God. You have been pursuing us all the days of our lives. So, God, we thank you for one year down. We thank you, Jesus, that you are both the God of the peaks and of the trenches, that you are with us always. So as we go into year two and as we go into this message and as we go into this week, God, we believe and we put our hope and our trust in you, God, that you are not done, that you haven't even, you haven't even contemplated being finished with any one of us, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you truly do still have the best to come for this church, for these people, for the city of Grand Rapids. In Jesus' mighty name of Faithful Church said, amen. amen. Can y'all look to your left and to your right and just tell somebody that you have been praying all week that you would sit next to them? <laughs> These guys are in a stalemate over here. Somebody's like, I regret, I regret that he asked me to say that. So we're in the Old Testament right now. And here is Elijah. Let me break down Elijah for you. There's Elijah and then there's Elisha, just so you know. There's a Sha in one of them. Sha is his apprentice and maybe we'll get to him later in the series. Maybe we won't. He's a really cool guy, but Elijah is an old school prophet. Somebody say old school? He is an old school prophet. And Elijah... He is an amazing man of God. Elijah is notorious for really just messing up the status quo. Is there anybody here that has a little anarchy in him? Elijah's your guy, okay? Just so you know. There's Elijah and then there's Peter. They're probably your two boys. Elijah is awesome. He is a man of God. He will chase down God with everything he has. And Elijah lives in a time where people are constructing statues to praise other gods. He's living in a time where people sacrifice humans and animals and all sorts of things to other gods that don't exist, obviously. And they come up with names. And so here we find Elijah in this moment. He is on the road run for his life. Somebody say on the run. 
We're going to be talking tonight. Come on, year one. Let's go. He is on the run for his life because he, and you've probably heard this name too, a time or two, but he is on the run right now from a woman named Jezebel. Somebody say Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> Man, I remember being in the South and uh, I was down there in Dallas and there was women, and they're sweet. They're cute. They ha there's southern bells down there. I, I love it. It's, it's a good twang that they have. And I just remember hearing, like, that girl's got a Jezebel spirit. And I was just like, what does that even mean? And then they're like, are you being led by Elijah or a Jezebel? And I was like, what? Who are you? Bible Belt, you've got some things weird, man. That girl's got a Jezebel spirit. Wow. Um, believe in the best. Gotta love it. But Jezebel, she's, uh, she is a princess who later becomes a queen uh, to King Ahab, and she is just crazy. That girl is crazy. Somebody say that girl is crazy. I'm having too much fun. You're, you're really good at talking back tonight. I'm just having too much fun with it. That girl's crazy, and she's chasing after Elijah. She's put a bounty out on his head. Elijah is a man wanted. Not alive. This ain't John Bovey, friend. John Jovi. What's his name? John. Bon John Jovi. Still didn't get it right. Still didn't get it right. Anyways. You know the song I'm referencing, okay? Won't it, won't it, dead or alive, right? I still sing better than he does, so it's fine. It's fine. Shots fired. Timmy Hanks, you're welcome here anytime. John Bon Jovi, lose it. Mark for edits. No, I'm kidding. Um, but say it one more time. Let me say his name. I have to know. I know. This has literally nothing to do with anything, but I have to know how bad I botched that. Wow. All right. Shot through the heart, and he's to blame. Um, it's good. But Elijah is not wanted dead or alive. Let's try. Let's try. It's good. He's not wanted dead or alive. Elijah is just a man who's wanted dead. Elijah is a man who is after God's own heart. He is a prophet for Jesus Christ. He is a guy. There's a lot of people actually in the New Testament who thought Jesus was the reincarnation of Elijah. That's how much of an OG he is. That's how incredible Elijah is. He is a man that when Jesus, the actual Messiah, rolled up on the scene, they thought, no, 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 this is not just a prophet. This, is, this has to be Elijah back from the dead. Elijah is the man. And Elijah, back in the day, he challenged the status quo. He was like, no, 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 we're not going to build statues to Baal. We're not going to build statues to this or to that. We're not going to sacrifice human beings, God's own people, to this God or this God. No, 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 Jesus still wants Israel. Jesus still wants Jerusalem. Jesus still has a plan for this. And we're out here worshiping anything but him. And so as he would raise a ruckus, that's a good word. Ruckus. We don't, we don't say that enough in 2019. Ruckus. Somebody say ruckus one time. Ruckus. He's raising a ruckus and he is saying, listen, we're not going to do things that way. There is one true God. His name is Yahweh. Elijah's actual name means, are you ready for this, friends? Elijah's actual name means, my God is Yahweh. How cool is that? Can we bring back that name in 2019? People start having babies. Let's name some people Elijah, man. My God is Yahweh. Yahweh means the Lord of hosts. I think it's awesome. 
So here we find Elijah. He's on the run for his life. You could say that he's in a trench. But here's Elijah. He's actually not physically in a trench. In fact, he is on the side of a mountain in a cave. And I'm willing to bet in here tonight there are some people who can identify with Elijah. I think there's some people that can identify with the fact that, you know what, maybe, maybe right now you're, you're not in a trench. Maybe you're not in the lowest place that you've ever been. Maybe right now life is actually somewhat okay and you find yourself on the mountain at some point. Maybe you're on a plateau. Maybe you're in a life right now where, in the life right now where you found yourself at a standstill with God. Maybe you're not in the worst of the worst. Maybe God's brought you out of a season, but maybe you're not quite where you want to be yet. But for Elijah, his head is wanted. And I know that for me, in my life, there are times on this Christian journey of following Jesus where, man, just like Elijah, I'm doing everything right. I'm here at church on a Sunday. I'm worshiping. I'm giving. I'm tithing. I'm doing my thing. I'm serving on a crew. I'm in a crew throughout the week. I'm doing it right. And yet I go through this week and I find myself feeling like I got a bounty on my head. Feeling like I'm wanted dead. Feeling like the devil has just rolled up to my house. Darkness has come to my life. Darkness has come to my school or to my people or to my congregation or whatever it is. I find myself where I'm a Christian following after God and I feel like I am absolutely eclipsed in darkness. Is there anybody that's willing to be honest tonight? So here's Elijah. He's on the side of this mountain. He's in this cave. He's running for his life. And can, I, can I tell you something kind of funny? My mind is absolutely blown that he is a prophet, that he is Elijah, and that for whatever reason, God has to ask him a question twice. And I find that entertaining because I realize as a, as a Jesus follower, I'm putting Elijah on this pedestal. I'm going, he's a prophet, man. He's the guy. People thought Jesus was him. He is a legend. He is chasing after God. He's fulfilling his calling. He would be one of the mega church pastors right now where everybody just sees him on Facebook. Elijah is the guy at the time. And yet even Elijah, God still had to ask a question to you twice. Now maybe you're missing the point of what I just said. Elijah is still a prophet. He's still a man after God's own heart. And yet this guy is incredibly human. And when everything in his life is going wrong, when he has messed up the wrong person, when he has, uh, when he has caused too loud of a ruckus, when he was taking a stand for God, life still went bottoms up for him. And he is on the run for his life. And so as he's here, he's in the side of this mountain. He's in this cave and God comes to him, he goes, what are you doing here? Elijah, why are you here? And I wonder to myself, there's sometimes where I guarantee, in fact, I can think of a few times, that God has said to Matt McClure as well, Matt, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? Why, why are you running? Why are you acting like this? Why, why did you do this? Why did you take this? Why did you find yourself in this situation? And friends, can I tell you, here's something kind of crazy. God isn't asking Elijah, why are you here? 
expecting Elijah to actually give him an answer. God is asking Elijah, why are you here? Because he needs Elijah to put some things in perspective. Because God already knows Elijah in and out, just like you and me, friends. He knows the numbers of hair on his head. He saw him knit together in his mother womb. He has called him by name, and he has Elijah tattooed in the palm of his hand, just like he does you and me. It's in the Bible. You can read it yourself. So when God is asking Elijah, or he's asking Matt McClure, or he's asking Josh a question, it's not because he literally needs you to justify where you found yourself or what you did to him. He doesn't need an excuse and he doesn't need your reason. He needs you to reevaluate what brought you here and what is going on. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They botched it. They ate from a tree they shouldn't have. Here we go, throwing the whole universe into a spiral because of sin. And God is going, Adam, where are you? Because Adam decides to go and hide because Adam and Eve looked at each other and realized they was naked. Naked wasn't a word before the fall. Isn't that crazy? So he's like, don't go there. Okay, it's cool. And God goes, Adam, where are you? It's not because God didn't know where Adam was. Adam didn't know where Adam was. Because he made a decision that led him to a place that he could never could have foreseen that he would be in. Because he never thought in his wildest dreams that he would make that decision. But when darkness comes, when the enemy comes a knocking, when you find yourself faced with alluring opportunities that are designed to completely pull you away from the will of God, all of a sudden you find yourself completely falling apart in a trench. Or for Elijah, his trench ends up being this cave. So here he is. Here's Elijah. He's in the side of this mountain. He's in this cave. And, and God's like, why are you here? And Elijah, being a Christian, right, being a Jesus follower of the time, being a prophet, gives the most biblical sound answer, right? Because that's how it is. I remember being that guy. I remember being a kid, and uh, I was 16 years old when I met Jesus, and I remember, oh my gosh, I, I'm not going to tell that story. Wow, uh, almost did. Everyone would have left. Um, don't judge me. You've got one of those two, okay? And so here, here's Elijah, and I remember being young, and I would be that really like on fire for Jesus kind of person, right? Where it was kind of like, I don't care if you know Jesus, if you've never heard of Jesus, I don't know what your situation is. I'm just going to tell you about Jesus. And then the second I get something negative, I'm going to get angry at you. and I'm going to get defensive of my God. And I'm just going to spout off of the mouth. And I'm going to say really dumb things. I appreciate anybody now. You ever been there? Like when you first get on fire, you kind of start saying dumb things sometimes. It happened to me at least. It's cool. I'll be the only one. He knows, okay? So Elijah, he starts spouting off. He says the most biblical sound thing he could say. He's like, Lord God, Lord of hosts, I have been very jealous for you. God's like, mmm, jealous, good. He's, like in Elijah's head, he has this idea that if I just put all these words together and I say this nice Christian thing and I say it in this perfect sentence, it's going to make sense and God's not going to know my true motives or what brought me here or the fact that I am scared for my life. He is saying, no, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. You know what the people here, they are doing bad. They are doing bad. Bad by you and bad by me. They have murdered the rest of the prophets. I'm the only one left, God. I had to run. How else would they know? How else would they know that you are good, that you are for them, that you have better things for them? I had to run, God. 
They're burning our altars. They're killing our people with the sword. In fact, I love how descriptive it is, right? He's like, with the sword? Was it a mace? Some of you don't know what that is. It's an old school thing. Anyways, mace is awesome. It's that thing with a stick and there's a ball with spikes on it. Anyways, um, watch a knight's tale. You'll learn something. It's good. I don't even think there was a mace in a knight's tale, but God is in it. And so Elijah recites this answer. And it doesn't say that God replies. It says that the Lord goes. And after the Lord leaves that conversation, after the Lord hangs up, after he clicks off the two-way, for all my Nextel users back in the day, we remember, those were the glory days, okay? God ends the, the phone call with Elijah. He ends the communication. He shuts down the conversation with Elijah. And he goes. And suddenly, there was a great wind that happened. I mean, whoosh, right? It says that it shook the mountains and it broke the rocks to pieces. Elijah is in a cave. Caves have incredible acoustics. Sometimes you wish churches had as good acoustics as caves do. They don't. We try. God just makes better things than we do, doesn't he? He's in a cave, and that, w and that wind would have been the loudest thing in the world. I just mean whoosh, right? I like hearing that. I like saying it. It's fun. Whoosh. And it says that the mountain shook, and that the rocks broke to pieces, and Elijah is just shook. He's like, whoo! The Lord is in this place, right? But it goes on to say that the Lord actually wasn't in the wind. And then all of a sudden, earthquakes happens. So you're in there, and a wind just goes by, and you're seeing rocks break and all this stuff, and everything starts falling apart underneath you, and you are just shaking again. And an earthquake happens, and you're ducking for cover, and you're covering your head, and you're doing what you can to protect yourself because you're not sure what's about to happen. And the earthquake ends, and it says that God actually wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire comes. I love that. That it's a fire. I'm assuming it must have been a large fire for it to get some, you know, mention in there. But a random fire starts in the middle of wherever Elijah is on the side of this mountain in a cave. There is a wildfire that bursts out. And much like yourselves, and myself included, I probably scream really high-pitched or something if a random fire just bursted out that I didn't see coming and that I didn't start myself. This wildfire bursts. But it says the fire ends. And it says the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then I love this next part. Because the wind came, it shook, it broke, chaos ensued. The earthquake came and threw everything into turmoil. A fire started and all of a sudden your life is just on fire. You just feel like you can't escape. There is so much happening on and around you. And it all ends, and it says that the Lord wasn't in the chaos, and he wasn't in the turmoil, and he wasn't in the fire that was burning your situation down that made you feel like you couldn't escape, made you feel like you couldn't move forward. Instead, it says that there was a quiet whisper. Come on out. Come on out, Elijah. Come on out. And it's a quiet whisper. And then Elijah comes back out and you hear God ask him that same question one more time. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah repeats the same biblical rhetoric. 
that he thinks God is going to be pleased with hearing, that he thinks was going to get an A on this report, that he thinks is going to be exactly what God wanted to hear. He blows, there's a wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, and then there's a whisper that is the voice of God asking Elijah to come out. And the reason I picked this scripture and the reason I titled my message extremely loud and incredibly close is because I think for Christians in 2019, Christians when we're in the trenches, Christians when we're at a plateau and we're stalled out in this life, for the Christian, I think if we're being honest tonight, there's a lot of times we wish God was extremely loud. We wish he was in the fire. We wish he was in the chaos. We wish he was in the earthquake, in the disorder. We wish he was in all the things that were earth-shaking and life-altering that were changing our very existence right now. We wish he was in the cancer. Because we'd like to be able to put some rhyme to the reason. We'd like to put some sense in this disorder. We'd like to be able to put something in this and go, you know what? I must have did something wrong. I must have upset him. I must have angered him. I must not have enough faith. I must have sin in my life for this to come and plague my home and plague my children and completely disrupt my life. I must have some sin in my life that has to go. We would prefer it often if God was extremely loud. But the reason I titled it extremely loud and incredibly close is this. The devil, the enemy, life, sin, the very nature of this world right now is extremely loud. It is going to distract. If it cannot defeat you, it will distract you. If he cannot bring you to your knees and get you to forsake your God and go in another direction of him and just give completely into your sinful nature, if he cannot bring you to your knees, he will distract you. He will bring fire. He will make the earth shake. He will come around you and there will be calamity and there will be destruction and he will do anything in his power. If he can't get you to quit, he'll get you to turn your gaze. If he can't get you to say mercy, he will get you to go after anything else but God. So when you start following Jesus, you will see some things in your life start vying for your attention a little bit more. You know you should be in your Bible, but man, Netflix is right there. You know you should be at Babe Crew or you should be at church or you should be at whatever it is that's going to bring wellness to your soul and edify who you are in Jesus. It's going to build you up and all of a sudden there's a game on. All of a sudden there's something else to do. All of a sudden there's snow outside. Good on all of you for being here tonight when the snow started coming at 4.30. The second our doors open. Now we can say that's coincidence. I'm fine with that. I also feel like there is often, because of the week that Adria and I have had personally, that there is a plan from the enemy who has scouted you and roars around like a lion and didn't want us here in this room tonight. Because he wanted to distract us. Because he already knows he can't defeat Takeover Church. He has already tried. Believe you me, he has already tried. He can't bring this place down. He can't bring you down. So he is going to do anything in his power to distract you. 
And so if the enemy's plan is to be extremely loud, to get in your ears, to get you to look here and to get you to look there and to distract you from your call, distract you from your purity, distract you from what God has said over your life, the God dream that he has given each and every single one of you, the devil doesn't want to see it come to fruition. If the devil is going to be extremely loud, then our God is going to be incredibly close. Oh man, why did you, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Because the enemy is in the earthquake and the enemy is in the fire and the enemy is in the wind that breaks the rock and disturbs everything that's going on alongside you. Our God is incredibly close. Well, how do you know I feel distant? I feel like I'm not hearing from God. I feel like I haven't I've been praying for the same thing for four years and he hasn't done it. Man, I just feel like I'll come to the church every single week and yeah, you preach a good message and yeah, the worship is really great. But man, I leave here and I still, I feel, still feel this depressed and I feel, still feel shame and I still feel guilt and I still feel this way. How can you say that he's close? Why? Because he whispers. And friends, you don't whisper if you're not close. So when the volume is turned up in the world and chaos and, dis- and disorder has ensued and, he is vi- and the enemy is vying for your attention in all these different outlets, man, let's just bring sickness to the home. That'll get them to turn off from going to church. That'll get them to dial back their faith. Oh, you know what? Let's have something happen in the church leadership there because you know what? That'll prove to all those people that, you know, everyone's just human and you're all just doomed to make mistakes and you're going to feel offended and then you're going to leave and then he's got you on your own. And the second he's got you on your own, you're not in worship anymore. You're not in your Bible anymore. You're not reading anymore. You aren't even, you're not in community with other people, let alone no longer in community with God. Starts with a distraction. So he's going to get up in your face. He is going to be loud. He is going to get you, man. If you are not in a trench, he's going to try and get you there. And when he gets you in the trench, everything's going to be louder. Because why not? A good person would say, don't kick somebody while they're down. The devil's exact plan is to kick you when you are down. He doesn't want you to get back up. He doesn't want you to rise. The Bible says the righteous fall down seven, but they get up eight. The devil doesn't want you to get up. He doesn't want you to get back on your feet. He wants you to remain in a trench. And so he will distract you from every single way out, every single path to victory that God has given you. Friends, make no mistake about it. The world, the enemy, all the things that want to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10 says, is going to be loud. But our God is incredibly close. Amen? So what do you do with that? How does that help when you're in the trench? That's good news, friends. It's good news. I would love it if he was loud sometimes. I would love it if he was loud sometimes. Because you know what, Matt? Matt actually thrives really well in the chaos because I can see it, because I can hear it, because I got all these different lights and sirens flashing at me. I understand that something's wrong, and so when I know that something's wrong, I can like adjust and I can move. Is anybody else? Like, you love alarms, right? We love it. I love my alarm clock. Adrian's like, Psh, lies. <laughs> but I love knowing that I have to wake up and that I have a purpose and I have something that I need to get on with in today. And so bells and whistles and sirens and alarms, loud things, really help me adjust. Adrian will tell you as well that when Matt is stiff-necked and bullheaded and thinks he is correct, when all the evidence points to the otherwise, Adrian has to get loud for Matt to understand. So I am a person. I am a human being. I am someone that has been taught and adjusted to by the enemy. This has been a plan from the beginning. 
to adjust us and to get us into a place where we only receive and we can only grow and we can only learn by responding to the loud and the chaos going on all around us. He wants our hand and eye coordination. He wants our, um, oh gosh, that word just escaped me. What is that word? Um, okay, somebody throws a ball at you and you got a reflex. There it is. He wants our reflexes to be ones that operate out of chaos and disorder. But God is incredibly close and he whispers. It's not because he wants to hide anything from us. Some of us in here tonight, you feel like you haven't heard from God in a minute. I would say he's probably whispering. I would say he's in the stillness that you don't want to be in so you turn on a podcast or you turn on some music because you can't handle the quiet. He's in the car ride to work or on the car ride from the way home, but you know what? You can't stand to not have something going on. You blame it on ADHD. I just need something to do all the time. This is my own sin. I'm confessing it right now. I just need something to do all the time, so I'm going to put on this movie podcast or I'm going to put on this talk show or I'm going to turn on the TV just to have some noise in the background because I can't be alone. And we wonder why we haven't heard from God. And we wonder why we haven't had a fresh word in a while. We wonder why we have zero direction. Should I go in this job or should I go to this job? Should I go to this college or should I go here? Should I, should I go with this marriage counselor or whoever this is? Marriage counselor is a great, okay? We feel like we have zero direction because... We ourselves are so prone to distraction at this point. We actually thrive off of distractions. We love existing in chaos. We are more comfortable free-falling in chaos than waiting for a whisper to God to walk in obedience. He's got us trained. He's got us right where he wants us to be. And it's in the quiet, and it's in the stillness, and it's in the middle of the chaos because the word of God says, the fire came. It doesn't say, and then the fire went. No, no, it says the fire came, and then there was stillness, and then there was a quiet whisper, and it was the voice of God. So I wonder in this life, when we're at Mountain's Peak, or we're at trenches low. Some of us are probably in challenges deep in the middle of Marina's trench at the lowest point of a crack in the crust of this earth. We find ourselves at the very bottom. We find ourselves prone and able to thrive and to listen to all the chaos going on around us. And we're wondering why our spiritual life is stunted we're wondering why we want to leave the church that we're a part of. We wonder why we don't listen to the people who are around us that want to build us up and challenge us and, and encourage us to go after the God dreams that we have. We wonder why we begin settling for this relationship, that boy, that girl. We once knew what God called us to have in a marriage, and yet we find ourselves settling for one too many fights, one too many hardships, one too many mistakes and it's distraction and it's distraction it's distraction and suddenly our, group, our grip is loosened our resolve is depleted and the enemy has got us exactly where he wants us to be and yet friends our God is still incredibly close. He has not gone silent on you. He has not left you nor forsaked you. That is what our Bible says. Do you believe that tonight that he is in the whisper? 
He doesn't whisper to hide himself from you, to toy with you, to get you to chase after a proverbial carrot in front of you, blindly chasing things in this life. No, 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 no. He actually encourages you to walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because sight, there's chaos, there's fire, rocks are bursting, life is happening alongside you, and he is in the quiet, in the stillness, and he is saying in the middle of a flame, and he is in the middle of the earthquake, and he is in the middle of the storm, and he is still saying, I am here. I am with you. Friends, your God has made you a promise. It doesn't stop because a fire happens unexplainably. It doesn't stop because an earthquake comes to your home and shakes your entire foundation. Your foundation might be shaken, but you are not moved because he has not moved away from you. He is still there speaking to your soul. In those moments, do you believe that tonight? I know this is a little bit of a different message, but I thought it was a message that our church needed to hear in a time like this. In the middle of snow apocalypse, in the middle of things that were unforeseen, in the middle of trying to get somewhere we got to go, we find ourselves 30 minutes late because of the craziness. Things that we can't control, things that are here to distract us and to defeat us because you know what? I can't drive right now. I'm about five minutes down the road, but I'm just going to turn back. I didn't even need to make it to church. It's just too crazy. These things that are going on alongside of us at this time right now that we didn't ask for, that we couldn't have prayed for, that we would never welcome to our home or to our family. God is saying to you, and he is saying to me tonight, he is saying, person, daughter, son, whomever you are, I have not left you. I am still here. I am whispering to you right now, and I am pleading you to walk with me, to cancel out the noise, to cancel out the destruction, to cancel out the things that are going alongside you, and begin to train your ears, to train your heart and to open up your spirit to be led by a quiet still whisper of God because the enemy is never going to stop coming for your head until you are defeated so chaos is never going to stop happening or around you but just like how the enemy isn't going to stop coming for you neither is our God neither is our Jesus there's another scripture I want to show you tonight worship team you can begin to make your way here As we begin training our ears to listen, as we begin training the Holy Spirit within the inside of us, if you don't know, I want to inform you tonight that when you give your life to Jesus, when you say, it's no longer I that lives, but you that lives through me, Jesus, when you lay down your life, he will endow you. He will put inside you. He will give you the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead after three days, that raised him back out the tomb. He will put that spirit on the inside of you to lead you, to guide you, to comfort you, to be with you in the middle of all chaos, in the middle of all winds, all mountain peaks high and trenches low. That same spirit will begin to reside on the inside of you. But there's got to be a way to turn the volume up, right? I mean, there's got to be a way to hear God better, right? If I'm going to train my ear, how do I train my ear? If I'm going to open up my heart to him, if I'm going to let the spirit guide me, how do I begin to hear him more clearly? 
We hear it all the time. Hey, the Holy Spirit just talks to them differently than me. No, 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 no. They have a unique relationship, but he's speaking at the same volume. He's still talking to you. He's still whispering to you. Elijah, much like you and me, had to be asked the same question twice, so he is human. So the whisper that he heard is the same whisper that's available to you and to me. And what I thought God wanted to say to his people tonight was this. How do we turn the volume up on this relationship with God? How do we begin to hear him more clearly? How do we begin to hear him more frequently? It's called this. If our God is incredibly close, then maybe he's calling us to become closer. If all I'm hearing is a whisper, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's an immovable force. He has never ran from me. He could never run from me. He's never even had a thought in his head to leave you. But maybe how I'm not hearing things right now is because of my proximity to him, not maybe his proximity to me. Maybe he's whispering because he's close, but I'm over here. Maybe there's things in my life that I've allowed to distract me and to take me away and to break me and to, and, to, and to pull me down and to defeat me for a season. Maybe I'm in a place where I don't know how I got here, but suddenly I feel further away from God than I've ever been. Suddenly I feel further away from my church family than I've ever been. Suddenly I feel like, man, I am defeated in the middle of a seat in the worship auditorium. How did I get here? God is so close to you. The question I want to ask you tonight, are you still close to him? Because friends, I believe that there's a way to take that whisper and turn it into a shout. I believe there's a way to take that quiet whisper in the middle of the chaos and to turn up the volume of what God is directing you to do in the middle of a storm. I believe there's a way to hear him more clearly even though there's distortion going on around you. I believe it. I believe it's when we move close to him as he moves close to us, that whisper becomes a conversation. And as we get close to that conversation, becomes a shouting match in which he wins because he's letting you know I'm here and I never left you and I'm here and I'm hugging you and I'm making you away and I am bringing you out of this trench and I'm placing you on a mountain because I've called you the head and not the tail. And I've called you to a place of victory and not defeat. Can I read you another piece of scripture? Psalms 34, 17 through 18 says this. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those, those whose spirits are crushed. The Lord hears his people when they call to him. And then we're going to jump ahead to verse 19 through 22 as well. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue them each time. For the Lord protects those bones of the righteousness, for not one of them is broken. I'm going to read that again. Maybe you needed to hear that tonight. Verse 20 says, For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Is that not good news? So we're going to go into a song called Closer. We played it earlier today. If you want to stand up, we're going to get ready to go. I just got one more thought that I want to share with you. 
song is called Closer. And it says, pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. I want to know you more. And much like how that sentence is set up and much like how it's said and laid out in that song and how the lyrics are so beautifully written, it says, pull me a little bit closer. The songwriter is clearly asking God and inviting all of us in to ask him the same question. God, pull me a little bit closer. Take me a little bit deeper. God, I want to know you a little bit more. I'm on the side of a mountain. There are some earthquakes going on. There is some chaos around me. The literal foundation in which I'm standing on has broken away, has given away, yet I am still solid. God, I need you. There is a fire in my midst. Pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. I want to know you more. And just like the psalmist David said in that message I just read, when his people call out to him, he hears them. So when you sing these words and you say, pull me a little bit closer, he's saying, good. I see that you're crushed in spirit. I'm going to be close to you. I'm coming in. I see that you're brokenhearted. Pull me a little bit closer. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. I'm here. I'm in the midst of the calamity and the destruction. God, my physical body is failing me. My bones are withering. Death has come to my home. Yeah, I know. I know it has. Your bones won't be broken. Your body will not give way. You are inviting me in to invade your body, invade your bones, invade your destiny. We are going to change some things now because you are inviting me in this whole time. Justin, Lexi, Jasmine, Jane and Dave. I've been here this whole time. I have been whispering. I have been saying to you, if you would just ask me to come closer, if you would just take that step towards me, I could begin to move. I could begin making things right. I could begin giving you life and life to the full when the devil has so clearly killed and destroyed and stolen from you. So pull me a little bit closer. Take me a little deeper. I want to know you, Lord. Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to silence the extremely loud and wants to be called, pulled closer? Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to hear him more? Then we're going to worship in this song. We're going to make these words our own. We're going to take them on. We're going to give them our own spin. We're going to lift up our voices. We're going to open up our ears. We're going to adjust our hearts to a posture that is willing and able to receive. That will become fertile ground for the God to place something in you tonight. Maybe you need hope. He has hope for you. Maybe you need healing tonight. He has healing for you. Maybe you need some storms of silence. Man, he has got the button to stop it all. Maybe tonight you're at a place that you feel a lot of guilt and shame about. That you don't feel like you could lift up in a song. That you don't feel like you could put words to. Maybe tonight you have found yourself in some darkness that you don't know how you got there. It just kind of was a situation of life. He has a remedy for that too. He has an answer for that too. He has a silence for every single storm that is going on. And he has a path.
to victory. He has a way for you to overcome any shame, any guilt, any fear, any destruction, anything that has happened, anything the devil has stolen from you. Our God can redeem. He can revive and he will restore. Do you believe it tonight? Then let's sing this song. Can we sing that? Pull me a little bit closer tonight. Let's sing. 